diddle it British Drumman Podcast. So we've got the f- the first guest of 2021. So we have Max McCall, Maximus, Maxi. He doesn't mind what we how we refer to him. Um, so I first heard of Max. I first came across Max on online when um, I started following Nari Mu, who uh, won OSG. Well, won World Strongest Man Under 90 last year, wasn't it? 2020. Uh, uh, no. 2019. Yeah, so so the champion for two years running, I suppose, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so so from then I became aware of Max and then I followed him since and I I really like um, the... I suppose like just saying you're your Nari Moose coach is discrediting you a lot because obviously you, you're a coach to several great athletes and uh, a really good athlete yourself. So, um, so yeah, t- tell us a little bit more about you. How did you get into the strength and conditioning? How do you get into strongman? How do you get into competing and whatnot? Yes. Yeah, so, so getting into strongman, that, that's a bit of a, a funny story. So when I was um, like really young, let's, I can't even remember exactly, let's say like, um, six, eight, somewhere around there. I, I was just um, at a bookstore flicking through a Guinness World Records and it landed on this page that had a little thing about World's Strongest Man and like the various records, like how, how many titles, you know, who had the most number of titles, you know, and who'd won three, who'd won four and so on. And I just remember thinking, I'm going to be at that comp one day. And then I shut the book and forgot about it for like 10 years. But it was all in the back of my head. I kind of like knew I'd, I'd end up there in that world. Even though I took um, some completely different interests, that was always like in the back of my mind. And then, um, yeah, I always wanted to be a strongman. So I got first started up with powerlifting just because I really wasn't um, wasn't ready to do strongman because I, ca- I came from a pretty uh, kind of poor uh, athletic background. Like I remember um, growing up, um, I couldn't even do one push up. And then that was my first kind of training experience. Was just um, uh, practicing until I could do one push-up. And I still remember that feeling of achievement of um, hitting that first push-up, which kind of, and then, but then I did that kind of just sat on my ass, read encyclopedias for the next, next, <laughs> next few years. Um, you know, was into fucking electronics, just a whole bunch of kind of nerdy, nerdy stuff. And then, yeah, just sort of doing karate and basketball in high school, got a bit more into fitness. And then the whole sort of strength stuff was in the back of my mind. And I just kind of, even though I was uh, at the time like a re- really bad, um, really bad athlete, um, I just knew that for some reason this was going to be my path. So, and then yeah, kind of just um, was just fascinated with every kind of aspect of fitness. And I've actually like I've logged every workout I've done from um, since I was fifteen, so like ten years. Every single everything's recorded. So it was just basically a constant experiment on myself, and then. Yeah, went to uni, did, did sports science, uh, started competing in powerlifting, then um, started doing strongman, um, was personal training at the time. Um, and then uh, met uh, Norma at a comp, and then he messaged me a few weeks later about training. At the time, he was just doing CrossFit and then jumped at the opportunity because I just wanted to be, uh, shift towards more online coaching. I just hated getting up in the morning. So then... Um, yeah, eventually after about a year, I was sort of picked up a few more clients, managed to quit my, um, PT job. And then, um, yeah, just been training people online since then. 
So very, very lucky to have lots of awesome clients from all around the world. So did you did you coach Strongman first, or did you um, did you compete in Strongman first? Where, where no, did you send? So I, I competed first. So um, okay. yeah. So so Naramu was kind of impressing me because I was this like at the time, you know, I was probably actually. I mean, this is yeah, I was this skinny skinny kid with glasses who um did a really fast yoke run, and so he was like, oh, um, that doesn't really make sense. I wonder what how he's how he's doing things differently. Because I was just, just an absolute, because um, the, the world's skinniest 100 kilo man, basically. Looked about <laughs> And then, um, yeah, so he, he hit me up about um, training. And then, um, yeah, he, he was actually my first online client ever. Brilliant. Which, um, pretty amazing. A good, good first client to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah was, he's, he's done all right. <laughs> so, so how long's that uh, coach-athlete relationship been then now? Um, so let me think. So, um, we actually worked out when you won worlds, it was two months, two years, two months and two days exactly from when we started working together, which oh, is wow. actually his lucky number, funnily enough. And then that's uh, what that was 2019. So yeah, we'd say, um, a bit over three years now, maybe three and a half. And talk, talking about, talking about him as an athlete, what, yeah. what you, what, how have you, can you tell us a bit about the transition from CrossFit to like to, to Strongman and what he's had to put a bit more work in than the other aspects and what aspects have uh, could be easy to him in terms of development? Yeah, look, I, I thought it was a pretty smooth transition really because um, he just, yeah, had, he was um, already fast, already, he was strong at, strong at certain things. Um, like, you know, he, he already had a 160 clean and jerk before going into strongman. But I mean, his strict press was like 80 kilos. So, um, <laughs> so you know, it was pretty um, pretty easy to kind of pick the weaknesses and always, and his squat was um, squat was pretty solid already. Um, deadlift was maybe like 220. Um, but yeah, his um, you know, conditioning um, and just his will to win, he really stood out. So um, all it was, was initially um, he, he just, competed at the CrossFit Games not long before. So he'd been training twice a day, six days a week. So I kind of had to, he wanted to train all the time. So he started training twice a day and then I'd make, I'd make the workouts really hard. And then he'd be, so he really saw and they're like, oh, let's do a bit less. And then next thing we're just doing four days a week and he just starts exploding. Wow. Um, just start, I, I, suppose, I suppose what's good, um, like uh, a lot of people in Strongman discredit CrossFit a little bit. Um, I, f I feel, but I think what one of the one of the mental things about about CrossFit that carries over Strongman is the principle of well-roundedness. Like, yeah, you've got, you've got to be well-rounded at everything. If you have a weakness, you you can't afford to have that going into like a CrossFit comp or whatever. So, oh, I, absolutely, um, I think that carries well, over well to to Strongman. Well, I mean, they're my um, favorite clients. Like, I trained um, trained this guy um, uh, from New Zealand, Mark Thomas, who won the under eighty Australian Arnold's. So, Australia's strongest man, uh, and so so the Australasia's strongest man under eighty. Um, he went to Worlds, set New Zealand log and deadlift records. Um, but yeah, he he came from CrossFit, almost um, made the games as an individual, actually. And um, yeah, I mean, again, that was just. Um, as a coach, they're my favorite clients because they already know how to move well and they're very in tune with their bodies because, and they, they know how to follow a plan because CrossFit athletes, they're training so many modalities, they realize pretty early on, 
you have to hold back a little bit and stick to the plan or you're yeah. just going to be royally fucked because if you max out every single session in CrossFit, you're going to be dead. So um, that's yeah. one thing I've noticed is they've, for some reason, every athlete that's come from CrossFit, they stick to their numbers and they don't just max out every session or overextend themselves. They add another 10 exercises. They actually just stick to the plan and, and trust the coach because they've had to do that with CrossFit because it's such a complex sport. So they're, ha they're happy to, uh, they're, a they're quite robotic. They're happy to throw away control yeah. and let you do your job. So the, I've worked the with, uh, well, well, not worked with, I suppose, but kind of um, when I used to own the gym, I had a lot of CrossFitters trained there and it's kind of like drilled into them from the moment they, <clears throat> you know, they come to the CrossFit box, you're following this program, you know, yeah. trust the process from the second they get in, whereas most, and sometimes that's people's introduction to, you know, the gym and, and training is CrossFit. And if you go into like a commercial gym, you're instantly told little induction, you know, fend for yourself kind of thing. Um so they just end up winging it. Whereas CrossFit, yeah. from the moment they get in, they're, they're following a program, they're following a structure. So like you say, I think they just have that respect for it and they they don't mind doing it. They never question it. They just, just crack on very robotic, like you say. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, honestly, they're my favourite clients. Uh, well, oh, it's, I don't know about favourite, but my, they're the easy, easiest to coach people with a, a high-level CrossFit background. So in, in, terms of, uh, in terms of strongman, right, I'm just thinking of like CrossFit-y kind of in terms of physicality, like yeah. it's very like anterior chain dominant, isn't it? Like there's a lot of um, leg and what there's, mm. I don't think this is basically are the, do you see a difference with their people coming from a CrossFit background? Like how are the deadlifts compared to say other events? Is there a significant difference that you see? Like what's the New Zealand guy like? How's his deadlift compared to his other events? Yeah, okay. So, so he doesn't do strongman anymore, but um, I mean, when he started, he, he could do, um, yeah, maybe, I think it was like two, 260 for coming from CrossFit, and we got him up to 280. Um, so yeah, he, he, but I mean, he had a pretty unique, uh, he was pretty unique, because like, he'd done the natural um, Mr. Olympia at age 15. So he had like a bit of a bodybuilding base as well, right. combined with the, um, uh, with the CrossFit. So that, that, was, um, that was pretty unique. And he was, um, he's probably the only guy um, could really tolerate a lot of workload. Like um, for, we had, for the year he won the Australian Arnold's, um, we did 10 by 10 on literally everything. Like um, this prep, he did 10 by 10 stones and then 10 by 10 circus dumbbells, superset with 10 by 10 pull-ups. But then by the end of the program, he was doing um, sets of 20 with the same weight on both. Um, so, so he'd do a set of 20 on a circus dumbbell and then straight away 20 pull-ups back and forth. You know, and then absolutely. The thing with CrossFit as well is though, you've got the uh, there's such a weightlifting focus. Yeah. That um, when it comes to the overheads and stuff, they they understand the mechanics of the dip mm. and getting power into the implement for the legs. Um, so I think it's a great um, it's a great transition. Really, it's not too dissimilar. Really. No, no. I mean, all, all they really need to do is. Um, just, uh, you know, basically just do a general strength program and then the areas that will need focus are their strict press and sometimes they can be quite weak um, at strict pull-ups because they just only do kipping ones. Um, like that was an issue. No, I like, don't think you could even do 10 pull-ups when we started. Um, yeah, they'll boss out 100 uh, 
butterfly pull-ups or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, but um, it, it's pretty simple because they're they're already almost ready to go. You just gotta take some things out, and then once once they're no longer running and doing all this crazy stuff, um, their squat actually will start to shoot up because their squat's been held down by all the fatigue in their legs. That's constantly there. Yeah, the, the deadlift generally won't be too bad. I found. Um, but yeah, I think uh, squatting, it's, it's hard to do your squat when you're doing a bunch of running. Yeah, of it's just it's just a thing that I've noticed personally with um, coaching quite a few people who've like weightlifting at different levels, like beginners yeah. to more advanced or whatever, that, that's like, that have like had a dabble in strongman or crossed over to strongman. Like I just find it like amazing at how, how easy they, they pick up all the different uh, overhead stuff, obviously. From the from the weightlifting, um, yeah, but also yeah. but also like uh, loading events and loading stones and in triple extension and releasing and timing oh, and um, yeah. like like e even so much as like um, like basically being suited to process things through like obviously breaking down a snatch or a clean and jerk or whatever it's very technical so you give them a few few pointers on a tire flip for instance and they just seem to seem to pick it up. Uh, really, really quickly. But the thing that I noticed that that needs work is like the, they seem to have like a, a deficit in the in the deadlift. Basically, um, you can see that that's like a little bit behind like everyone yeah. else in the people I I'm, I've. I, I might have just got a bit lucky with a few of the guys I had. I mean, yeah, it, I guess it is relatively strong, man. I was just thinking more like at this starting at the local level. Um, but yeah, yeah, if you're looking if you're looking from the perspective of um, you know, bring them up to international standards as quickly as possible, then yeah, definitely they um deal is obviously a deficit. But um yeah, it, yeah, could just, it could just depend on the athlete as well. Those, uh, you know, Neil, don't don't you, Josh? He, he just trains uh, Rob's brother. He yeah. just CrossFit, he'll pull three hundred in a day a week at ninety kilo. <laughs> um you know, just from training. Yeah, but, but to be, fa be fair to Neil, I think like he's technically a really good puller in terms of he looks like he pulls like a power lifter or a strong man, in my opinion. Like it doesn't, it doesn't look like a fucking clean pull, does it? When he's, when I he's, suppose, I suppose, yeah. I guess, I guess if they're weightlifting all the time, they can have that but, like he, low hip deadlift. He, start he position, flicks yeah. that switch between the pulling mechanics for weightlifting and and actually pulling a pulling a big deadlift. Yeah, uh, he's got a nice round back deadlift. I know you're you're a connoisseur. Is that is that what you mean, Josh? Like um, yeah, well, yeah. Look, I think I yeah, think yeah. It's great to me. To be honest, I think the yeah, thing yeah. Neil's great. Yep. Mechanics. I know what you mean though, because people you can't clean pull. They're two different exercises, aren't they? But a lot of CrossFitters, I know what you mean. Yeah. They do. They do clean pull. They're very. Uh, yeah. And I think I think people who can flick that switch between and learn the the value of both. And I think, like I said to you before, Shane, that your Shannon is a brilliant example. Why? She could watch can she do clean and jerk what 90 or something and then pull 200 and the the deadlift 200 and they and you look at the mechanics of the the first pull of the the powerlifting deadlift is completely different to the first pull of the 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 weightlifting yeah yeah definitely definitely a skill that um yeah and and so, some yeah yeah to, to flick that switch between well that. I will I will rephrase my point too I think if the CrossFitters mastered the deadlift position, yeah, got a lot of strength built in the 
posterior chain to potentially have a good deadlift. But I do agree that they are not the best at executing it. I think I think they just don't train it heavy, do they? A lot of deadlifts no, across exactly. it, touch and go and fucking do 10 and then go and do burpees on your bar or something. So it's just not really drilled, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see, I see what you mean. Um, I, I, I guess the, the other weakness I find is um, they've never isolated anything before. So I'll often um, throw in, uh, you know, just like get them doing some tricep extensions, some curls initially, some lateral raises, some hamstring work. Um, <laughs> you know, just uh, some, some, some street press. Um, you know, some, some rows because don't talk about isolation and muscle growth to Josh. You should know <laughs> the look, zero muscle mass. I've not, I'm not wasting any of my body weight on muscles. <laughs> I, I was going to turn my <laughs> um, um, right. So, so with, with uh, with Narimu, like, what, what are you most proud of in terms of forget that he's forget what he's won and the accolades? Like, what are you most proud of in terms of improvement? Like, are you, like you sitting back and thinking, "Fuck me, I, I've actually um, I've I've made him work at that, and and we've we've turned some, we've re- significantly improved at one of the individual things." Ooh, let me think. Um... It's hard to pinpoint something because um, there's almost been a separate journey with every kind of lift. Yeah, and, and every lift we've kind of run into into difficulties and had well, to. T- t- tell us a couple of the journeys then. I mean, really interesting. Uh, well, um, yeah. Well, well, what do you want to hear about? Which um, which lift do you want to break down? I just want you to freestyle it, mate. Well, <laughs> I like the Okay. Well, well, I mean, like, um, how about how about you do his axle record? Okay, yeah, well, that, that's actually a good story. So, um, yeah, obviously, he had um, a 160 clean and jerk before even starting strongman, but his strict press was um, 80 kilos. And just for, like, for those listeners who um, maybe only do a strongman as much as we are, um, the reason we use an axle or a log is to make it more difficult and to make leg drive less effective. So, th- so the idea is the stronger man's going to win, whereas a barbell, it's really... Um, the, the most technically proficient mobile lifter has a big advantage. So even though we could clean and jerk 160, there was zero chance of him getting anywhere near that on an axle um, when his strict press is 80 kilos. So it was, um, that was a big shift. Uh, initially, you know, just some, oh, we just did a, a pretty general programs to start um, and it was ticking along. And then um, one thing I started experimenting with, um, with a few clients um, well, I had used it before myself a few years ago. Was the deep water methodology? So, have you you guys heard of John Anderson? No. Yeah, I'm very familiar with deep water method. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, John Anderson. Um, yeah, strongman back in uh, probably early 2000s, Shane. Uh, like he competed with Pujanovsky a few times and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and now he's doing like bodybuilding. He's done like pro wrestling as well. Anyway, he, he never really um, performed that well in competition. I think it's probably more a peaking thing because he did some pretty phenomenal stuff in the gym. But um, his methodology, um, I mean, essentially it's more of a mindset around training, putting you in these positions where you're forced to adapt. And then these workouts where halfway through you want to quit. So the analogy is you're swimming out as far as you can and to the point where it becomes dangerous and then you have to swim back or you're going to die. And then um, you're putting in yourself in such extreme situations, there'll actually be points in the workout 
where you'll get in the zone, he calls them portals, and you'll better jump in this portal and it still hurts, but it's not as hard. And occasionally there'll be situ uh, situations where you can jump in a portal and maybe, you know, you're squatting um, 140 to 20 reps and then you push out 30 reps, for example. So there'll be these kind of situations that happen in these high rep kind of workouts. Um, so the way I look at it is there's some exercises where you can really grind out and force out reps. So a big thing um, with this is leg training. So yeah. let's say you have a beginner doing um, who can squat 100 kilos for five reps. And then you say, okay, your technique's pretty good. We're going to force you to adapt as fast as possible. You're going to do your five, take some deep breaths at the, at the, at the start and, and get another one. And then they're shaking at the top. You're going to say, no, stay with the weight. Another three or five deep breaths, get another one and another one. And yeah. then next thing they're at 10 or maybe you take their 10 at max, turn it into a 20. So um, there's certain exercises where it's really limited just by your mental fortitude rather than the actual exercise. Whereas um, for example, pressing exercises, it can be, um, it can be effective uh, if you've got a lot of muscle mass, but often if you don't, it's hard to really grind out like a set of 20 on a strict press. You'll see someone with, um, a smaller, you know, smaller muscle mass, they'll do like 15 and it'll look okay. And then they just, they're just done. You know, the bar just goes halfway up and they're done. They can't really force it up. But the push press is one that it really, it's a full body movement. So you can really push it to that extreme and grind those reps out um, beyond where you should be able to go. So yeah. what, what we did for this Arnold's prep, there, there was a um, biking press coming up. So I gave him 10 by 10 on that. So it's a 10, we do a 10 by 10. And then actually the first week he failed it. Um, so he had to repeat it. He got uh, failed the last rep on the last set. So he had 99 reps. So I was like, you got to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so he had to do it again, got the 100 rep the next week. And at the time, um, his, his volume, uh, tolerance to volume from the CrossFit was insane. So this was, this was like his warm up before the rest of his events. So we do the 10 by 10. Um, Viking and then do like a full event session after with like three or four events. Um, anyway, so, and then we do two weeks heavy. So another big one, what I found with the deep water thing is a lot of strength athletes just can't no, tolerate. Just how far out from this record is he, is this kind of block starting with the Viking press? Because oh, obviously it's not even an axle yet, are you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so this is, um, this is how, so this is how it happens. So um, we're actually focusing on the Arnold's. Um, and then he's uh, pressing, and we had we did to do a little bit of technical axle work to keep it in the background because we did want to attempt that record. But um, basically, the increase in pressing strength, and especially strict pressing strength from the deep water, was so insane that then we organised to um, set that record about a month after the Arnold's. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So it was it was almost like we didn't. We didn't really train Axel very heavy at all. And then we did a little one-month peak and used the um, strength he built up from the Viking press and the strict pressing. Cool. So, um, I mean, yeah, like that training. So what I found with the deep water, um, John Anderson's original plan, most strength athletes just haven't got the tolerance to volume to back that up week after week unless they're an absolute beginner. They'll burn out after the third week in my experience anyway. So what we'll actually do is two weeks of deep water and then two weeks of contrast work. 
So in the context of the Viking press, that might be, um, say, let's say he's repping out 140 on the Viking. He might pick up like 220, hold it there, drop it back, rest five minutes, and then rep out 140. So it's, uh, it's making it feel lighter. Yeah, so it's like a bit of post-activation. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can do the same thing with, um, you know, like, like, like a push press. You could load like 400 up, lift it off the rack, and then rep out your push press, and you're going to set a new PR. So it's almost like two weeks of like loads of volume, trying to get loads of physiological adaptations, and then two weeks like neural to transition it to strength. Is that kind of the idea? Uh, absolutely. And then we'll go back to the deep water, um, finish off that progression, then back to the neural, and then we'll peak for the comp. Cool. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like really good. Because I actually found that with the deep water myself, because I've used it. Yeah. I've not used it for with anyone for about, I don't know what about you, but I tend to like get into training methods and stuff and really enjoy yeah, it yeah. and then kind of like phase them out. And then I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. I really, really like it. <laughs> um, I used it for about a year, but yeah, I actually do recall a similar thing to what you're saying about a couple of weeks in, like burning out and just not being able. So maybe the maybe what you've done there with the two on two off kind of thing is uh, a really good way of managing it. I think actually it's given me some. Yeah, yeah. I, I found it to be yeah, a lot more effective uh, unless, uh, I mean, do you, have you looked much into like neurotyping that Poliquin and Thibodeau have done? No. No. So um, I, I, I got, like I did a few of Charles's courses while I was um, at university. Um, so I just like, uh, you know, make an excuse, have a week off. And I, I, I flew to um, Sydney to do his course one time and did his neurotyping one. And uh, that was basically fitting training to your personality type. Right, okay. so, and then since then, Christian Thibodeau has really, um, I think he's made a much better version of what Charles was trying to, was attempting to do. I like his version a lot better. Um, so basically there's like maybe, I think it's five types. There's 1A, 1B, uh, 2A, 2C, and type three. So five types in strongman, we're pretty lucky. 80% of people will be a 1A or a 1B if they're any good. And generally the people that are coming to us for coaching, they're not just someone who's trying it out. They're going to be that 1A or a 1B. So your 1A is your prototypical strength athlete. They love low reps. Um, you know, they love maxing out. They want to get, they, they, they get a buzz out of going heavy. So a big way to tell what type someone is, is what they enjoy out of a workout. So if, like for, for me, <coughs> A lot of, uh, I'm sure, I mean, you guys are the same. That's the me. I just love going fucking heavy. I have to like. I mean, you, you, I mean you, you are the prototypical type 1A, Josh. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> just maxing out all the time. Just um, low reps on everything. Hates assistance work. <laughs> so it's um, kind of just like, almost like, basically, person A likes to go heavy. is basically maybe got a more you know, active neural, neural, neural system and yeah. going to respond better to, you know, low rep ranges, heavier loads and not necessarily need the higher rep ranges to like grow, et cetera. Is that kind of. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, so um, you, like an easy way to think about it is here's a spectrum neural to muscular and your client is going to be somewhere along this spectrum. Of uh, neural okay. So, um, and then the, the type three, um, most of you won't experience. So that's basically like the. So what, what was what, what was one B? Sorry, what one B was more higher volume stuff? Was it? Yeah. Okay. So so just so we're generalizing here, just to just fly through them. So one A is your typical 
um, strength athlete. One um, B, they're um, a bit more explosive, so um, they're a bit better suited to Olympic lifting. So Narumu would be a pretty typical one B, <coughs> explosive, and they also have a um, they can have a slightly higher tolerance to volume than one A's, and they can tolerate a bit more um, muscular work. And then the the two A is an is a hybrid, so they're e an even mix of strength and muscular. So often they'll be um, they'll be the strong man that's just jacked as hell, because a one A often can't tolerate the volume needed to really get fucking yoked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's me. That is yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, but also, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so the, I mean, the, the key to make a 1A grow, you've got to find ways to train heavy that still stimulate muscle growth. So that might be like rest pause methods, drop sets, or like um, you do a set of six and then do six partials to finish off. Um, you know, yeah. things like that, yeah. Um, but the, yeah, so, so they're basically the types. And then 2C... That's your bodybuilder that'll grow from purely pump work, mind-muscle connection. So they're all about um, the, the pump they get from the workout, feeling the target muscle. Um, so yeah, that, that's um, that's kind of the... Yeah, that, uh, that's re really interesting, Max. Like, because how, how I, like as a one stereotypical 1A, like how I found that works well for me is like, yeah. I have this like one set every session that I can just be like, it just feels like amazing and then yeah. and then <clears throat> for like volume for, to like to like get some like serious volume in what i have to do is work at what works better for me is working at slightly lower percentages than other people would do like if i did like say a five by five at 75 percent deadlift for instance like that would just fucking kill me whereas yeah, yeah, if yeah. i did like an 85 percent amrap and then I did loads. I could do like loads of volume at like say sixty five percent or sixty percent. Yeah, well, I've seen some of the stuff you do. Like, you're, it's almost like like say with your deadlifts, you're doing. Um, you'd rather do twenty sets of five than five sets of twenty. Yeah. In a way. On on a compound lift. Yeah, I, w I would. I'd find it. I'd find it a lot easier. But I wouldn't yeah. be. I wouldn't be opposed to doing five sets of twenty. No, no, no. But um, but but, I, think, I, mean, I think I'd get more quality work doing twenty sets of five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, like, you wouldn't be fulfilled doing like a bodybuilding program where you're doing. No, no. Well, I just wouldn't train. I, I wouldn't go to the gym. You, you wouldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, um, I mean, from what I've seen of Shane's training, he's yeah, a little bit more. I mean, he's, he's definitely a little bit probably. I mean, he is actually is definitely. I mean, there's a thing called the Braveman test. You can kind of um, do and and see where your, your neurotypes at. Um, and then Thibodeau's got a different one, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see um, what you guys score on that. Yeah, because my, my training is very hybrid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I love my put, I like most, most people wouldn't be able to do a press session with me, the amount of volume that I do. Yeah. And still, like, I'll do at least three or four pressing exercises wow. uh, per session with like, at least five sets on every one and I'll yeah. still be strong on the last X, even though I'm pumped and full, I'll yeah. still be 
able to push heavy loads on that. I mean, I built it up over time. I'm not just fucking randomly done it. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, but it's a lot of volume and a lot. I like, I like my isolation and my pump and squeeze work. I love it. I feel like it yeah. makes me grow really well. I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but I'm not genetically blessed to, you know, I can't just look at a dumbbell and fucking pop a bicep up like some people. Yeah, yeah. Linearly over time, always gaining quality mass. Um, but I feel like as well, if I did want, like when I used to Olympic weightlift, my training was completely different and I responded all right to that as well. So yeah, yeah. who knows? I, I think a lot of it is like what you're, at the end of the day, right, we, we know from getting progress from A to B is all, of, in my opinion, is like yeah. about practice and focus practice. And if we like, I, I believe that regardless of certain people, like in terms of anthropometry or whatever, maybe more suited to get get better results in a in the same time frame as somebody else. Um, I do believe that the most important variable is actually just practicing and sticking to a program and, and actually just it like it. Like say, if I strip press for the next ten years or something, like people are going to look at me and think I'm a freak at strip pressing, whereas really I'm I'm not. I've just practiced for ten years, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, like, so, so I, yeah. So so I think like like talking about this. Um, what did you call it? Neuro coding? Did you say? Ah, uh, so, so neurotyping. Neurotyping. Neuro. Got it up now, Josh. On me. Yeah. I'm gonna. I've saved it on my PC to watch this Christian. So, so I think I think practically as a coach for us three, like if we if if we know whether whether it's like a because of a, a physiological thing or whether it's like um, a psychological thing, like yeah. for me it may it may, for me it may appear as a physiological thing that I'm more suited to these things, whereas actually it might be the psychology behind it leading to the the, the physiological response if that makes sense. I.e that I train like that. So I'm looking like I'm getting results training in this yeah, way yeah. physiologically, but actually just because I'm fucking enjoying training, like I enjoy, like say, say uh, build up to a three repper on this. I'm like, fucking hell. Like, <laughs> I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely buzzing. Where, yeah, yeah. where is it? Where is it? If it was prescribed, like say five by three at like say 80% or something, I'd find mm. that really, really tough like mentally and 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 therefore physically if that makes sense so yeah. over time i'd get a lot better results doing it that way and i work well with like say rpe based stuff or blank so you're off your head who who, who doesn't enjoy 85 by three but enjoys 60 for 50 sets of fives <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <off your> head. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't enjoy it but it's just like the left of the eagles and i feel like uh, when you did that 50 sets of five at like 120 dead, I was thinking, <laughs> and you even, you had a nap in between. I was like, yeah, I said, I thought, I thought he's mad, he's gone, he's bonkers. <laughs> yeah, I did actually. I did like 30 sets of five and then my little girl fell asleep on my lap. So I fell asleep for like oh, about 35 minutes and then did the other 20 sets of five. <laughs> <laughs> you say that you've got no muscle mass, but I bet your spinal erectors are just oh, like yeah. fucking flying yeah. off your spine. No, they're not on it. They're not honestly. I'm like a fucking stick insect with like uh, I've got these like love handles at the side. <laughs> look, look, look at these arms. What what good are they? They look, look all right, actually, to be fair, Josh. 
they're, they're not anyway. But but anyway, like as, as a coach, like because obviously that this is something that we're really passionate about. Like yeah. like w- without putting them into like boxes one A one B whatever, which I'm really interested in looking at after this uh, yeah, yeah. conversation. Like you can kind of, re- you can recognize that in your own clients and your own characteristics. Yeah, yeah. And therefore like say, we don't have like say, if you're coaching somebody personally and they're wanting bespoke programming, that's why like say, you can't just go go off on the, on your system and just find like a pre-written block. Oh yeah, that'll do. Like everything yeah. is, is kind mm. of individualized. And you realize fucking hell, this, this, uh, this girl's uh, really responding to when I leave the weight blank, she like kind of excels herself and she performs. Yeah, yeah. She do, she do, like, whereas some people, if you, if you leave the weight blank or the, you put RPE based stuff, you think they're, they're fucking skiving and they're really under, underperforming themselves and they can't yeah. push themselves enough without that mm. prescribed weight. So I think it's, um, yeah, it, it's re- re- really interesting. And then, yeah, anyway, I'm just, um, so Shane, tying, tying it back to the original question about the, um, the deep water stalling out and why I alternate it. So the um, I found the majority of people, the two weeks on, two weeks deep water, two weeks heavy works really well. But then um, one client, which was the, the guy from New Zealand I was talking about with the bodybuilding background and the CrossFit background, he could do a month in a row and every week would get better and better and better. So we would do a month of deep water, a month of heavy. And he'd get the same results, but if we try, so would doing... you say he's like the type one B? No, uh, no, no. He he was definitely a two a two A, the hybrid. Yeah. A hybrid. So I've got it up in front of me here. So yeah, half muscle dominant, half neural. Oh, it says here um, pairing exercise. Is that why you did supersets? Uh so, so what are you looking at? I've just I've just got it up in front of me. This neurotyping type two A. Um, oh, okay, yep. Because you said yeah. he was supersetting. Um, yeah, but I mean, I'll do that with other people. Um, I, I don't like, I look, I don't like, Thibodeau gets quite specific with his recommendations, but I more look at the um, the generalities because programming is this entire universe. I don't want to really, like, Thibodeau gets a little bit too restrictive in his recommendations. Right, okay. I, just, I go with more the overall feel of the program when applying to someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So when you do your heavy neural weeks, do you, how often do you utilize? Your post-activation work, um, and are there, are there certain exercises that you find that it works, like or certain muscle groups, should I say, that it works better on? I'm, I'm a real big fan of, and I need to bring this back because I used to do it a lot. I'm a real big fan of doing it on pressing, yeah. but um, I don't really, and well, I never used to really use it on anything else. What do you, what do you find? Yes, so I'm really only pressing, um, just uh, purely out of convenience. Uh, I mean, you could do it with. Um, with squats, like do do a yoke and then do potentially do a, a squat. Um, it, it's pr- pretty interesting. Um, I uh, went to um, a big Z seminar when he was in Perth um, a few years ago, and he talked about the year that he put on um, the most uh, muscle mass. Um, and the um, oh yeah, okay. Oh, you got, you got his teenage article. Yep. So that's kind of like the. The light kind of oh actually some of the stuff in that article is he's since changed right okay like yeah it, it is a t nation one um yeah actually that that yeah these these are his like gen pop ones so um the the best thing is probably just do his certification on his website oh, yeah. so, YouTube. I've got YouTube here. so, so, so basically, actually, 
I'm just getting it on the screen here. So then, this is pretty solid, actually. This is a pretty, um, pretty good, good list. Well, I'm just putting it on the screen now because if I work out how to put this on YouTube, I'll put it on YouTube, and then people can can actually look at this as well as uh, as well as just listen. Yeah. But yeah. So if anybody's interested in that, when we put this on YouTube, you'll be able to see the screen, and then um, if it interests you, you can uh, you can look it up. Um, yes. So the, as far as the potentiation, um, anyway, yeah. So big Z was saying how the biggest gains he ever made on his squat and the biggest muscle mass gains he made in a year was when they had that 700 kilo yoke at the Arnold. Right. Okay. So he started at 500 kilos, added 50 kilos a week and then sort of, um, went from there and he said something, um, I'll have to check my notes, but his squat was like, uh, went from like, um, let's say, uh, like um, I look. I have to look it up. But uh, let's say three, it was like put on like forty kilos in a squat in a month because it was so light after doing these seven hundred kilo yokes. And it wasn't even yeah. the same session, but it still had that potentiation effect because it was yeah. so so heavy. Um, so you could you could do it. Um, I guess I do. I quite like it with beginners, but they really have to have solid technique because sometimes um, on the squat is this showing about now. Oh, on the pressing exercises. Okay, right. Um, yeah. And yeah, they need yeah, some of those intermediate people who want to get to that next level. It's really beneficial. Um, but then what can happen is sometimes it becomes quite taxing, like the front rack partials. You can quite easily build up to 400 kilos. And then that's quite taxing on, on the lower back. And that could potentially event, uh, impact your event training and whatnot. So it's going to so What, what percent over a press would you utilize roughly for your? You pop and how would you apply it just for someone listening? Uh, so push press or, or yeah, let's just say someone with a hundred kilo push press for the ease of maths. Okay, hundred kilo push press. Um it, it's very individual because um some people are just gonna be freaked out by lifting such a heavy weight. Um so it, it depends what they need. So I'll, I'll kind of I'll explain it to them and I'll kind of leave it open that first workout. So the first workout, let's say they're doing it's a three it's a three by five. So if they can, um, their max is a hundred, um, we might leave quite a bit in the tank. So we'll go like, um, you know, 60, 70, 80 kilos for five, which would be easy as, and then we'll superset that with a, um, front rack. And that might be like 120, 140, 160. And what, what did they do with the front rack? Just hold it in the front rack. Yeah, so literally just, just pick it up, hold it for a few yeah. seconds. But then you, the thing is, um, it takes it's very time-consuming because you need full recovery from the potentiation to the actual lift you want to potentiate. Yeah. Yeah, so big, long breast breaks. And then the following week, it might we'll drop the volume. So we might go to like a two-by-five. And Would you do that before every set? Uh, yeah, set of five would be super. So you do like a holding rack, yep. rest set time, yep. set of five. Yep. Cool. Yeah, exactly. So, so we're getting, we're almost getting a double neural ramping because we're ramping up. We're getting that effect where you're dialing your technique every every set, and it's getting better and better and better. And we're combining that with the potentiation. So it's just like this feedback loop of just neural excitation that's happening. Yeah. So they're getting stronger and stronger throughout the workout. Um, but they, it, it, you really have to be strict on the resting falls. And it, it feels like, like after the, the front rack, you feel like you can just go straight away and do, an, and do a press when in fact it will take, you know, three to four minutes for the potentiation to actually hit its peak. 
Yeah. I find an, another another side, side benefit of doing this uh, potentiation work like this is um, is actually the, the f gaining flexibility. And um, like you'll find that if people are really struggling with that um, front rack position, you give them like, say what you're saying, like 120, 140% to hold in the rack. Yeah. Like they, they, they'll um, not only learn how to find a more efficient position, but also build stability in that, in that rack position as well. But um, I mean, I don't really like to put a limit on, um, on these numbers. Like you see um, Chinese weightlifters are a big fan of um, heavy front rack work and they'll do 300, 400 kilos and that's all they can do on the bar. So I don't really like to put a limit on it. Um, and I reinforce that to be is you're a lot stronger at these partial movements than you think. Yeah. You no. Know? Um, so there's no reason why you can't, um, you know, you can't do 250, 300, you know, 400, you know, um, I mean, I, I've, um, at some point, um, you know, if I yeah, get some, uh, you know, thinner plates or whatever, I'd like to do like just a press specialization phase and see if I can like get like, support like 600 kilos in a front rack and see what my push pens press ends up being, for example. I think that'd be an interesting experiment. Yeah. Um, the thing is from a, from an application standpoint, the way I like to do it, but the, the way I found it was just like most bang for buck in terms of what you're able to do in your training time. Yeah. yeah that's what, that's why I'm thinking is a limitation of that is like, yeah, it, it, if that was that me, I'd be like, I fucking can't be asked setting up all that weight in the bed. Well, the way I used to do it, and I mainly did it only with people that had a um, good front rack position, uh, it, not only on for the push press, but for a front squat as well, is I would tend to pair it. I'd get them to warm up the push press and the front squat at the same time. Oh, yeah. And I would just get them to do not a super set because I would give them rest time in between, but a set of front squats and as long as the ratio of front squat to push press was, you know, enough, you could almost overload the front rack in the front squat with some pauses at the top between each rep, re-rack it, drop your weight to your push press weight, wait a couple of minutes, do your push press, um, and, and, and do it that way. And I just found that it was, for, especially because mainly with weightlifters, I guess I would have done it, to be honest, because uh, most of the strongmen I train have a front rack like me at my chin. Um, so... It was just you getting a, a good front squat stimulus as well as that um, overload. Have you tried, Max? Have you ever tried it with log? Um, yeah, uh, not too much, but um, I've tried it and killed, nearly killed myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you actually pass um, out with log far too often to do a heavy. Yeah, thing. yeah. Okay, so, so so actually, what I do with log, I do like I set up like a Swiss bar at lockout, so we're just locking out. Um, you, know, you, you build up to a heavy weight and just hold a lockout. So instead of potentiating the rack, we'll potentiate the lockout. Yeah, that makes sense because um, the, it's just a little bit. It's a bit dangerous doing um, you know super super heavy log. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, well to, to be honest, I, I found that it's uh, for me it's less the load. Like mm. through trial and error myself, like it's less the load and it's actually more the time under tension when I'm, cause I hold my breath in the rack, you see. Yeah. yeah. So literally if I hold it for three seconds with, even if I use a 30 kilo log, I'm like, I've gone, I'm passing out. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so, so, but I, I find that what I, what I like for the 
kind of the potentiation effect and that doesn't take too long to set up is I, I like um, jerk dips, uh, like yep. just basically front rack position and just, just dipping with the weight and practicing hitting triple extension, usually between 90 to 110% or something. And it can work. Yeah. And it can work, work well practically in your programming because you Mm. can do it just before your front squats or just after you push press, you can can just slam on some plates and it's not taking loads of time. I find that that, really helpful. That's pretty much what I mean with the front rack thing is yeah. doing a jerk dip. But uh, it would depend on their technical ability. Like um, if they can hold their form with that super maximal weight, would do a full jerk dip. Yeah. If not, they're better off just dipping but keeping their heels flat. Yeah, when, Sh- when Shannon jerked uh, 100 kilos, actually, it was on a training block where she was front uh, jerk dipping like 150 for three by three. Um wow. You know, in that same training phase, and she was so strong in front rack, and in that dip position, because I made a pause as well. Dip, pause in the the bottom of the dip. Yep. Hold there, and then stand. And she got like I think she started at like one ten on that, and it felt heavy. And by the end of the cycle, she was um, doing one fifty, um, and felt fine. So, you, like you say, you can get crazy strong. She's like sixty kilo female as well so it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. But the, th- the thing is with the jerk dip also you're you're because uh, with a lot like let's be honest like mo- a lot of like say people who haven't come from a like say a weightlifting background like a lot of strongman people who push press and stuff like really limiting themselves uh due to due to poor technique and due to like uh so i'm just gonna take a piss and if i disappear yeah yeah um, just, just one thing for our listeners before I forget to mention it. So, um, with the heavy front rack, uh, jerk dips, um, do them in a safety, safety, or, or be able to dump the bar because um, yeah. it's quite easy to pass out. Yeah. Um, there's this, uh, there's this video of me doing it in the commercial gym, and I like blackout, just doing it with only like two sixty. I was just warming up, and then um, the plates, uh, I, I put it back in the rack, but I'm like passed out, and I missed the rack. And then six plates slide off, bar flips, just like plates flying everywhere. And then I'm just like on falling over on the ground. Funny hell. It's a, it's a, thinking about it logically. If somebody was um, somebody was blessed enough to have a mono lift, like it'd be good to do in a mono, wouldn't it? Yeah, oh, I, I, I don't know about a mono because yeah, you'd um, I, I don't I don't like the idea of like super maximal stuff in a mono. Your spotters really have to be on point. You're still I'd still rather do it in a rack. Yeah, so it's, um, you know, yeah, nothing can go wrong. Um, yeah, so let's move on to the next thing. So I want to hear a little bit more about you as an athlete. Then, what are your goals as a as an athlete yourself? Forget everybody that you coach. Like you being yeah. selfish. What what do you want to do? What are your goals? Uh, yeah, or well, as an athlete. So, so um. Yeah, obviously, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm far, far more successful as a coach uh, than an athlete. Um, I think that's yeah, obviously pretty obvious. And uh, at the moment, the, the I mean, biggest crime I've done is just like the, you know, Western Australia's strongest man. That's, that's the one that a few years ago. Um, so basically, uh, I mean, long term, as a coach, I want to have a winner, uh, someone who wins the world title in every weight class. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's what that's my um ultimate goal um as far as coaching is concerned um and yeah still still young so there's plenty of plenty of time to do that i think already got one ticked off um 
So, but as far as an athlete, um, probably in the next um, few years, once I get my YouTube a bit more up and running and some other streams of income other than coaching, I'll probably put coaching on the back burner um, for about uh, probably five to 10 years and just um, focus on being a full-time athlete and making it to Worlds. And, what, and what's, your, what, what's your goal, like Open Worlds or 105? Yeah, uh, yeah Open Worlds, yep, yep. Brilliant. And what, yep. what what lifts do you and do you find that you progress more easily, or do you enjoy progressing? Um, well, I, I've enjoyed everything. Like my um, uh, well, my biggest weakness was um, shoulders. Whoa, 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 whoa! What were you, you you're contradicting yourself? What, yeah. What, what's yeah. the proper way of putting that, Max? Ah, okay, okay, okay. You got me. My, my um, well, no, I, I'm I'm talking in uh, past past sense. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So my um, when I was starting uh, strongman, my wor- uh, absolute worst thing was um was shoulders because uh, I've, I've had this issue my entire life, and my uh, dad has it, my mum has it, one of my little brothers, where I can't even um, I've, I've basically fixed it now, but um, I couldn't even lift my arms off my head, so I'd go to, go like that, and it'd literally be like there, and and now now it's now it's a lot better. It's not um not fixed. But um, I could force through with a barbell and lock out. But um, every rep, I can literally feel pushing through lack of inflexibility. And I, I was probably spent about 10 grand on treatments trying to get it sorted. And I'm only now just getting a bit of traction. But um, basically, that completely limited my um, shoulder progress. So your typical five by fives, bodybuilding stuff, I just did absolutely nothing. And it was only when I went extreme, I did these deep waters. And I did this potentiation that my overhead actually started to move. So it, um, it, it, was, a, it was a blessing because it forced me to create or uh, to look outside the box, find all these training methods, put yeah. them together in a sequence. So, I mean, everything I've used has been used by other people, but it's the way it's structured and flows together in a periodized plan. And that resulted in coaching um, well now three overhead world records. So if I hadn't had um, that, uh, you know, shoulder um, weak point. <laughs> I'll use it in the use the part using the past tense. Um, never would have happened. Why aren't you allowed to say weakness? Yeah, I'm lost. Oh, I got <laughs> He made a post the other day that was like, you know, like people people put, um, uh, oh yeah, um, my weaknesses, whatever. I'm working my weaknesses or whatever. Like, and it has like a negative connotation with it. Basically, you think that you you like setting up in your own mind that 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 there's a negative thing about this lift. Whereas Max, like just basically said a bullshit phrase that sounds yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> what, what did you say, Max? Yeah. So, so um, I've, uh, this only had like happened a few weeks ago. I started to um, tell a few clients um, cause there was, there's just a few people that are like, you know, my deadlift's weak, my squat's weak. I've got a bad press or whatever. Or I'm bad at this event. And poverty, I'm, poverty press. Like, that's yeah, yeah poverty doing. press. Like they're using all these words and they're the people that have been stuck on that for months or, um, you know, if, if they if they come to me, there's people that have been stuck on a certain lift for years and they use those negative words. But I'm like, okay, no. Now we call it a future strong point or we call it an area with growth potential. or so We reframe it in a positive way. So instead of, instead of training a weakness, <laughs> so he said he said the other day, Shane, that instead of training a weakness, he was training a future strong point. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I get, I get you now. It's just, it's just, it doesn't flow off the tongue as well, does it, when you talk? No, no, no. We, we, we need to come up with something a bit simpler. 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they'll be. I'm, I'm going to say. Uh, well, actually, I don't think. Actually, no, I do. I say my grip's weak. To be fair, but then that's just yeah. a, that's just a, a rational description of how strong my hand is. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but but like um, I mean, I mean, obviously you had that injury, but is there? Is there uh, physiologically no way? I mean, there's there's a way you can get back to the strength you had there before. So, um, so I don't know because my little finger doesn't close now. So I yeah, mean, okay. not that it plays that big a role, but mm. I think right. it plays. So Max, basically, you know, like train Shane trains like a savage, and he has done for absolute years. He hasn't really tra- trained grip, and he's wondering why his grip's not, not as good as other stuff. That's it. Well, I don't wonder because I just don't. Like you said before, I I can't be asked training grip. Okay, but I mean, even if you can't be bothered training it or do anything about it, does does saying you have a weak grip offer any benefit whatsoever? Mm, no, but I don't think saying I have a future strong grip does either because it's not going to be. <laughs> No, because you, you're never going to fucking train it. I, I'm not complaining. I didn't bring it up. You, well, I did actually, but I, I wouldn't ever say, like in powerlifting, I've got a strong grip. This is yeah. why I do powerlifting now. <laughs> you know, no, but, but, but I suppose what I suppose what Max was getting at was like people who bitch and moan. Like if, if Shane, you said, oh my God, my grip's shit. Uh, I'm... And I don't, and I don't, and I don't know why it's shit. Like, and I, and I need it to be good. I need to do farmers at this next comp. And you're moaning, you, and you're saying, "Oh, my grip shit because I've got because my injury, or my grip shit because I've got small yeah. hands." Or, or um, and they're saying it between um between sets. Like you see it in powerlifters a lot. They'll kind of pick one the the lift that d- doesn't come easy. They'll just assume that's weak. And every session, you hear them bitch and moan and complain. Oh, my bench is shit. My squat shit, this, you know. Yeah, and, and I know, I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Because like, you get in that negative mindset, and you're convinced that you're just stuck there forever. I, I'm yeah. when I say it's weak, I'm just it is weak. I'm not being negative because I, I know it's weak. I don't care. It's weak. Yeah. I have no intention to unweaken it. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, these get. I suppose these guys that moan and uh, and like. The, the guys that are like think that they're destined to have Josh was like that though actually and you've, well, you've cured yourself you? with your deadlift. deadlift yeah I was like that with my deadlift it was well, prime example yeah you, you um you thought you had that mindset where your deadlift was was bad and it was it was always going to be bad and then it, was somebody, bad, though. it went, went from like 260 to 250 in three years and uh, acquired a bad back <laughs> <laughs> so it was fucking bad it was yeah but, bad. but um but it was bad because you believed it was bad no, it, it, it was bad because the way I was doing it wasn't yeah, but, working. But, 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 I, was trying, I was trying hard, but it, just, yeah, yeah. but it just wasn't working. So I readdressed it and just, and like like you said, like like um, like it forced you to look at different training methods that didn't work for yeah, you. Yeah. The, the typical the shoulder training methods weren't working for you. So you've, yeah. you've gone and researched and created this kind of, method through a mixture of other stuff that that, yeah. that that's that's really great that you've rolled out to other people and i've done i've done the same thing with the with the the, the deadlift for me like i found a way that works exactly. to improve deadlift for people like me yeah yeah um, do you think now though max like say the say the previous traditional of your call them methods 
<laughs> of training that that weren't working. Now yeah. that you've found this, um, you know, you, you've blown your press up and you've gained a lot yeah. of tissue, etc. Yeah, yeah. Have you tra- transitioned back to? you know more tra- traditional methods and found that they work now that you're a little stronger you've got a bit more experience and also more more muscle to work with um uh, absolutely yeah so i mean actually i just started working with um tom hibbert again um so he, he's he's coaching me as of last week just to get a bit more accountability and you know because i've just been the last few years i've just been messing around with training just trying shit out just trying stuff out for clients and not really uh progressing as fast as i should so um, just I needed to hand it over to someone else. Um, but uh, yeah, basically, um, I, that is something I've found is um, sometimes to break past the plateau, you can you got to use these complex methods, gain the tissue, hit the high volumes, and then once you once you're um, it's almost like the weak get weaker, you know, the poor get poorer, poorer, the strong get stronger. Once you've achieved something, it can almost um, be a little bit easier and simpler to to keep getting stronger in some ways. Yeah, this is what I've wondered with Josh is because he's like the first person I've seen like up close and following doing a method like this on the deadlift. Yeah. I always thought to myself, there needs to be, in my opinion anyway, some transition period where you go back to a more, I don't know, I guess you've got the lifestyle for it, but I'm just thinking like the four days a week deadlift for most people, eventually they're going to have to transition back to a more lower frequency program. And I actually think that there will be a point where that'll be more beneficial than staying on. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think that point will be when I do a comp and I'm getting equal amount of points on deadlift than I am on other events. And when it comes to that point, yep. I'll, I, mate, I can't fucking wait to that point. I fucking hate deadlifting. Honestly. Um, All I mean is like, when, have you ever when, thought when about, could you make more progress now one or two days a week? as opposed to four. Now, now that you're pulling over 300 and you've got the skill and position that you didn't have last time you did those methods, you see what I mean? Honestly, mate, I still feel like I'm getting like technically better. I deadlifted yesterday and it, I was like all over the place. Like I still feel like I'm learning every single session by not no. getting the getting the forced production gains, but like position and like... But, but yeah, yeah that, for, for me, basically, my progress is going to be, my deadlift is going to be progressing a teeny bit more, and it has been for a while. It's going to be progressing because of the volume and the tonnage that I'm lifting. It's going to be progressing a little bit more than everything else. And when it gets to the point where I'm getting an equal amount of points on my deadlift than I am on, like, say, moving events, loading, whatever, like, then, then I'll go to a more balanced program, definitely. Yeah, I mean, frequency is an interesting one because... Um... Yeah, I mean, the, so I was going with like the deep water, the contrast work, and then that was eight weeks. And then often the, the third phase will be a high frequency phase. So if it's a beginner, I do something um, really high volume, like basically like a small of on push press, and they'll get another big jump in their press in that final month. So, yeah. we, um, but for frequency to work, I like you to be, uh, to be like a fresh stimulus sometimes. Yeah. So, like, let's say you hit a you were squatting four days a week, you hit a wall. You go back to once a week for a month, and then go back to four, and then it'll be a fresh stimulus again. And yeah. um, I, I, I agree. I think frequency is the, the fastest way to progress. It's just um, as you get stronger and stronger, 
um, everything becomes more and more taxing. And then it just gets to a point where yeah. it just isn't feasible to... Well, yeah, that, that's what I thought. But then I've started well, I mean, to... Yeah. I, start, I started using it more with people who were who were wanting to specialise because they enjoy it. You know, like yeah. like twins have started uh, to change. Twins have started doing the four times a week, probably like two or three months ago now, and yeah. they're just ab- just ridiculous. And yeah, every yeah. session I'm seeing them put seeing them pull in, and it just looks just looks like the prog- I'm writing the progressions, and they're not getting it, the sessions aren't getting any more any more difficult. Like Tim, yeah, right. Tim's like, that. oh, I reckon they'll. Pull- Free steam next couple of weeks, like wow, like he believes he's gonna he's gonna do it. It's crazy. Did three fifty two the other day. It's mad, and um, and they're an example of somebody who. Yeah, well, well, I mean, I mean, yeah, this this one. I mean, everything you know about training. There's no hard and fast rules. So I'm seeing a lot of my beliefs about training being challenged by what um you're doing with your guys and the high frequency deadlifting. So I think that's awesome. Because um, I can't fully understand what's going on because I've never had success with that approach. But um, yeah. I'm, I'm the, very interested to keep keep the, seeing where the, it goes. The key, the key is to get in that, like, say, if we're agreed that the the more volume over of the what 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 a lot of people struggle getting the head round is the how the, how they can recover. But the recovery is all about the the percentage because all the percentages. If you look at like say basically, if you look at like say Prilipin's chart, it's all yeah. scaled back maybe. 10 10 to 13 percent so each session even if you're like a fucking zombie it's still a manageable load like um like basically the 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 intensity is modified to suit and i've worked out these percentages where the 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 intensity is suited to it's assuming that you're a fucking zombie and like say you're back to it or whatever and you can still hit you can still get in and practice rather than thinking Fuck me! I need to wait another week before my erectors are recovered. That yeah. that that's the key thing. People people have done it, and now it started as a, like a rehab protocol for me because I wanted to practice more, but my back was hurting because I got injured, and it and it, and basically it was the only way that I could get practice all the time, but working at these uh, like percentages, and then it started out, I started out giving it to clients as like a rehab rehab method, and then. I started experimenting with people who wanted to specialize and peak for a big deadlift and it, the results have just been been crazy. Like like uh, did you do you see Shannon Clifford Shane? She she did it. She was at like she, 200 range and she's gone from like 200 to 220 like that's crazy. In about two or three bumps. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree that I agree that it works. I just don't think. Well, my opinion on it is that like you say it's for specializing yeah exactly whether that be rehab whether that be to bring up a, a weakness to be more balanced athlete or whether that be for like say somebody who's doing like a deadlift only comp or something yeah, yeah. yeah. Because i just think when when you end up like say you got somebody who's very well rounded as well yeah and the the if even like say they just do one squat session a week that's going to take that recovery element it's just adding to it you know what I mean? If they've got a big squat anyway, like I know twins, they don't have a big squat. So to me, it's like pulling yeah. 300, 350, big neural recovery stimulus. But then yeah. even if, if squat sessions not really adding to it because they're not that strong at it. Whereas you get someone who's has got a similar ratio, yeah. a 350 squat, a 350 dead, yeah. that person can't squat while doing that program or else he's just going to mull. And same with a log as well. Like if they had a 180 log, 
to you know similar 350 dead 180 log area i say is a good ratio yeah you can't be cleaning a 150 160 log every yeah. week whilst doing four days a week daily. so i think for specializing i think yeah. it's absolutely mad and like max said i don't really understand what's happening to be honest <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's working. So, like I said, no, that's the good thing about strength training and programming, though, is there really is no rules. And if something's yeah. working, you can't say it's wrong, can you? It was, well, well, that's it. It's like we're three, we're three talking now and learning a bit from each other and opening yeah. each other's minds and stuff. Like, at the end of the day, we're, we're all successful within our own right. We're all getting great results with our clients yeah. and uh, through these different different angles. And, and, and I think that's the, be- like, the beauty of what you, you were saying before, max about like the overhead stuff you were taking yeah. like different elements that you've read and like combining stuff and then trying them on yourself and then like it's fucking awesome isn't it like rather yeah, yeah. rather than thinking oh this is my pt school this is how i'm meant to program <laughs> like you, you yeah. look at p- people who've got like extraordinary results mm. and, and sometimes they're from these extraordinary methods which are really just um like simple methods that are combined and yeah, we we have to apply the, them in the right context, if you will, at yeah. the right. You time. you still do one heavy neural day, don't you? On top of your, or do you even do two on top of your volume? So you've still got, you've still got one session a week. I don't know if you yeah. change it now, but oh, one oh, session. I still feel like max, maxing out all the time, Josh. So how, how does that fit into the plan? What, what you say? Say, say again. Sorry. I, I, I see you pulling, um, pulling heavy deadlifts all the time. So how does that? sort of fit into the plan yeah well, well basically i'll do like monday as my max effort when i've had like two days rest okay. and i'll do like a max effort thing so last night it was 260 for three i did 240 for five yep. um single ply suit and then like tuesday wednesday thursday i'll do for, for the sake of being there uh, being quicker I'm, d- I'm doing like say i'll do like some band and i want it to transfer to the suit so i'm doing beltless so it's less fucking about and i'm and the and the load's lower um yeah. i'm doing like i've got like a banded setup set up at the gym with 60 kilos on and bands and i'll just do whatever on that and then basically on my, on my friday session i'll do some at random where with i walk in like a zombie and then i'll just be like right i'll max out on summit with everything that i've got anything that i've got left just because i enjoy it not because i think that that's I'll do, uh, like the other day I did, what did I do? Like Silver Dollar, didn't you? I think Silver yeah. Dollar, yeah, I did Silver Dollar deadlift, and I was just smoked, and it was just good fun. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so on Friday I'll probably do something stupid again. Or, or have like, you applied, I, I, have you applied I, this method to anything other than um, deadlift, Josh? Out of interest. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you know what? Like, do you remember when? <clears throat> Do you remember when I, I dropped weight and I went from 116 to like 89 kilos to make yeah. weight for that comp? And then um, I'd noticed like my, because I benched at the time and my bench had gone from 150 to failing 120. Yeah. And then I was doing like a, did I do like a BDFPA comp or something like that? And um, I was doing a, a powerlifting comp. Um, was it four weeks later or three weeks later or something? And I was like embarrassed about what my bench was going to be because of the drop in body weight and changing mechanics and stuff. So I benched every day and I did um, like a modified, modified small of junior six by six, seven by five, eight by four. That's brilliant. And I got my bench back up from failing one twenty two and a half and a half to uh, pausing one fifty in the comp. 
uh, yeah. my eight to nine body weight was buzzing. Yeah, and then and then I spoke to Ben France. Yeah, I spoke to Ben France uh, outside Hicks's gym, and uh, and Ben was like, "Oh fucking hell!" Like I'm well impressed with your progress. Like, do your shoulders feel good? And I was like, "Yeah, I feel great because I'm yeah. not doing loads of assistant stuff where I'm getting soreness or whatever." And then he said, um, "And I said, oh, but my deadlift shit." I said, uh, "I failed." Oh yeah, it was at that comp, and I'd failed two thirty-two point five deadlift. I finished on two twenty-five deadlift, yeah. and and I said, "But my deadlift wank." And he said, uh, "Well, why why don't you try your high frequency stuff with oh. your deadlifts?" And then I was like, "Oh no, well, I'm not going to be able to recover." And then it just made me think, and I went, "You know what? Fuck it, I'm going to do it." And then I did like an initial six week because I had a strongman comp coming on with max raw deadlift or whatever or rising yeah. bar, and in I think four weeks had gone from failing 232 to pulling 260 at this at this comp. Wow. And then I thought, fucking hell, like I'll, I'll run it again. And I ran it again for another four weeks. And that was when I went to uh, India to that SCL comp. Yep. And, then, and then I pulled 270 on the stiff bar, which was a, a PB. And yep. then from doing that kind of cycle, I just kept going with it. And then I put the suit back on. And from fa- I'd failed like 260 in the suit. And I'd gone from like 260 up to 280, 290, 300 in the weeks following that. It was, it was crazy. But, yeah. but basically the, the principle was I, I tried it for upper body, like bench first. And then since I use sm- small of junior for like strip press and stuff with people, I think it works great. Um, so, just so, applied- um, um, I just question on your deadlifting, Josh. So um, say you had like an 1,000 pound puller come to you and say, um, Josh, I'm going to give you um, 100 grand if uh, you get me to 500 in a year's time. How would you scale your system to work for someone that strong? Ah, very good question. Um, but I would just have to go, I would just have to use the logic that's working for for uh, for, for other people. I know, I know it's hard to say because like I've, I haven't worked with anybody like that, but... Yeah. But I would be more inclined to use a. Um, I'd be more confident in the system that I use than going to a typical kind of one to two, like one max effort session a week or what. I, I don't know. We'd we'd have to see. Like, would you do? Would you still do five sessions, or would you do three or two? Oh right, uh, no. It, I'd, I would I would see what they what they were motivated to do. Like yeah, I, I, would well, say, I, I, I would get. I would, because yeah, well, that's what. Go on, yes. say that again, today. Okay, okay. So, so say yeah, a thousand pound puller, and they're yeah. willing to do absolutely anything to break the world record. Yeah. And what, and what, what's, the, what's the time frame? Uh, a year. A year. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd just get them running running cycle of that like four, five, three to five times a week. I'd get them. Yeah. Drop, drop what, in. Percent, what percentage then? Similar percent? Yeah. I'd, I'd maybe see what they can recover from. I'd probably do like, say, a max effort session, maybe once every seven to 14 days or something. And then yeah. basically, acquire, and then do the the rest of the volume um, specific to assuming they're going to pull from the floor. I'd get them pulling from the floor. Um, I'd maybe do one of the sessions like if i feel like they, they'd benefit from like kind of weak point or whatever 
kind of <laughs> kind of training, then I'd I'd maybe I'd put something in there that's not too. What far. is the uh, out of interest? What is the starting? Is it fifty percent the starting percent? What that I use two by nine at sixty percent. Sixty percent. Or or if someone can re- like, I know they're they're going to be. Re- so most people find it too easy. Honestly, most people start this cycle and think, um, I did it, but I don't feel like I've done anything. And I'm like, brilliant. Because you're going to do this tomorrow. Yeah. But when you look at these numbers uh, from from thousand pounds, starts to get a bit. Yeah. yeah you're with, um, what, so what, what would their first session be, Shane, on that? Two by nine, two, seven, five. Yeah, well. If you went up five percent, that'd be three hundred. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'd be interested to see. You but, know. But, yeah, yeah. But but if they're thinking, fuck me, that like obviously you gauge recovery, in it, and I'd say, right, well, we're, we're not working off a thousand pounds as your max. Like if you're finding that hard to recover, we'll work off. Uh, we'll work off for four thirty or four forty. Right. Okay. And then, and then the and then the weight comes back down to that. Basically, you're finding it's not it's not the percentages. The percentages are just just a guide, really. That sixty percent might be it. Might really be fifty two and a half to sixty two and a half percent, depending on your. Because there's any thousand pound deadlifters out there listening to this, and want to try it. It would be really interesting to see because my only my only thing in the back of my mind about this method is. I don't know if it's scalable to those type of loads because I think the recovery element, you would have to use a much lower percent, which I don't know if it would transfer over to the maximal strength as much. But, like but even Shane, at 400, you're talking 260, you know what I mean? For But, but, Shane, but Shane, I'm saying like, a, but by the, what, what really works well if you're, if you're looking to say try this with anybody, is like plug these in as like where you'd maybe do your kind of assistant stuff. If you're wanting to peak or whatever, like you might give somebody like the max effort set. It might be a top triple or something like that, where they go where you're going for the neural adaptation um, on the kind of max effort session, which might be once a week or once a fortnight or whatever. And then you might have like a speed or a skill session or whatever. And I'm saying that where you where where you see a lot of people, they might put in snatch grip deadlifts, three sets of six or deficit deadlifts, three by eight. Like I'm saying, swap that volume for some, for this specific, like the, the for, for, for this, this, like it's basically just giving you, so basically they might do day, day one, they do the max effort session and then they might do the second session that you program them might be a speed work with 50% or whatever. And I'm saying yep. that say, you might say, right, have a day when they're squatting and then after they after they're squatting, get them to do the two by nine at, um, get them to do the two by nine at fifty five to sixty two and a half percent, just yeah. after the after they finish the squats or whatever, and they'll find you'll find that they'll probably be able to recover from that really well. And then they'll do like another session, which might be their event session, which they finished, and they might go to the next percentage, which is three by seven at sixty to sixty four percent. And you'll probably you'll probably be surprised, and they'll be surprised that they can recover. And you might find that a couple of weeks in, most people who do it, who are, who I've coached, like report back to me and say, "Oh my God, I feel like my positioning's improved, my technique's improved, um, I just feel more connected, and I'm setting up to the bar, and I'm 
they said I was going to do a, a post about it last night, but I didn't get around to it. But I was thinking about um, uh, like pe- people, in my opinion, a lot of people use like variations on the deadlift for that almost seems like for the sake of it. Like, I think, I think we can get a lot higher and a lot more progress almost like linearly on the variation of pulling from the floor. Um, because that, that's the thing with with most of the guys that I coach who've like really improved with the deadlift is yeah. actually I've just got them be to be dead specific. Instead yeah, yeah. of um and like like I said to you last night, I'm like last night I'm I'm doing my, my pulls from the floor in the suit and I just I, I just couldn't get my technique feel it feeling right. So if I'm trying to master deficit deadlifts and block pulls and snatch grip deadlifts as well in the same kind of training block, like there's no, there's no wonder that I'm coming to like say Pete, like Pete, my deadlift from the floor, and it feels fucking all over the place. Um, Do you not think if you're talking about that different kind of, uh, it's almost like a different fucking athlete to be honest. Someone who's pulled a thousand, yeah, no, do you not think okay. that they would already have had all the benefits of positional strength, etc., to get well, to that point. Right. Well, look, look, look at it this way, right, Shane. This is what, I've, and it's diff. Uh, obviously, it's a bit different because they're they're like my really good mates. Like, so I, I can do trial and error and stuff with them. But you look what what like how the twins train in the deadlift, right? What I've yeah. what I've said to them since I started training them, I said I'm not gonna, I'm never gonna give you a deadlift variation. I'm not gonna give you a snatch grip deadlift or or deficits or fucking a deadlift variation to address a weak point until you get to the point where we've milked this kind of linear progression or whatever until the point where just the straight line progression of deadlifting from the floor with these varied intensities that I'm giving you when we get to the point where it's stale then we'll look at making it more fancy and and what I'm saying is that I believe that that they they can get to the under 80 world record under 90 world record and they won't have even done any kind of assistance exercises yet, because they're not, because in my opinion they're not they won't even reach that point where they're where they're, where they're advanced enough to need it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's my point is that I feel people get to a point where where progress gets tough and they feel that they're actually getting really advanced with the lift, so they go and try something else that's you know like a different variation or whatever, and really they just need to milk the progression of the say the de- like in the place of the deadlift the deadlift from the floor they think a lot of people think they're more advanced than than what they are and they and they just try try like doing needlessly complicated methods when when actually you see them pulling from the floor and the techniques wank yeah that, that's my that's my opinion I see. yeah um so, so with your so you're literally just using the same percentage oh, yeah, max this is about you stop yeah. asking me we're asking you we've talked about this endlessly yeah. all right yeah. interesting though because the reason why i like it is when i do a session i think to myself what is this person getting out of this session yeah and sometimes i think to myself like what adaption are you getting other than skill so when you remove the fact that uh, with the thousand pound question, yeah, I, I believe that they, they they've got the skill. Like, I don't believe that they need to get a better position or anything. So, I was just wondering what your theory was on, like, say say they had to do because I don't think that someone could lift three hundred kilos four or five times a week. I don't care if it's fifty percent, 
it just doesn't scale like it just doesn't scale like that. You know, you know what I mean? So if you had to get them working at 200, 230 range, what do you think you is happening? I'm not trying to like fucking out you or something. I'm just asking like what you must think something or else you won't do it. What do you think is happening that will cause them to get stronger? Because I just don't, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. I, I, I think that you'd be surprised if you apply it to these people who are pulling high numbers, like I think you'll be surprised at the results that you get. And yeah, you might have to modify the kind of, oh, oh, well, it's 300 kilos. So we might have to scale it, right? You say scale it back to 230 so they can do that. Like they might, they might be able to do 290, 295 and you're, expect, you're cringing almost giving it to them. And then you're asking, them, oh, how did it go? They're like, yeah, 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 it was, I feel okay. I can go again. Like, and that, that's, that's the thing what I've noticed. And I know, obviously, using this 500, this, whatever, this uh, 1,000 pound puller, like, obviously, I can't, I can't tell you, but yeah. hopefully I'm going to, I'll get to that point eventually where I, w- I will say, you know, th- this is a method that, that, that works for people, for people who want to specialize. Like, it's not the only way, of course, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that I, that's what I've been surprised with at, at any point. And that's why. Yeah, but are you like, thinking it builds tissue in the area, or or what? What is it that you think it's doing, kind of thing? Because it must be, it must be doing, it must be doing something. Skill and skill and specific force production through that range of motion that you need when you're in the, in that specific variation that you do, whether that be deadlift bar, whether that be right. pull, pulling from the floor and being dead specific. I suppose what I'm saying is that. Um, a lot of people's minds are blown when they learn that you can actually be that specific and recover if the intensities are managed. And I think yeah. I, I think everybody who who tries it and gives it a go will be su- surprised. Like I, I put it this way, right? And I, <clears throat> and but and like as a, as time passes on, I'm just I'm going to get to do it with stronger and stronger people. Um, but. But yeah, li- literally, I can't think of anybody that's that's done it and like yeah. the the, th- the thing the thing that you get scared of is thinking, oh well, how are they going to recover? Like basically, are they actually going to lift more in the end of whatever six to ten weeks or whatever? Are they going to lift more at the end of the training block? Literally, everybody that I've had who stuck to it has improved, um, like significantly. And I'm took like people who've been plateaued for years, people who've, who've had an injury and are lifting more, lifting less than what the current PB was a couple of years ago. Like people have rehabbed their injury and then surpassed what they've ever lifted before. Um, it, it's, it's just mad. Like, it, we, what about what about you though, Max? What would you do, Max? If someone had that same question for you, do you have yeah. you, do you have do you have something in your mind that you think you would go with or what? Well, well, I mean, this is why I'm so fascinated by Josh's system because it's just the complete opposite of my own experience with high-frequency deadlifting. Like, um, I remember... Um, your, lo- your loads were wrong, Max. That's it. That's all I'm saying. But, but, but potentially. But, but, I mean, I, I had used it before with um, success. Like, I remember um, it was probably one of the first deadlift programs I ever did. I um, uh, did this program where it was like uh, month, day one, I did like a 5-3-2 at 80%. And then day two... Three by two at ninety percent. Day three maxed out. 
and then I mean, that, 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 that to me, like alarm bells are ringing. That just sounds yeah. like fucking like I'm, I would I would snap on day two. But anyway, I, I did that when I was weak, and like I go, I went from like one seventy to one ninety in two weeks. Had a bit of a break, focused on the squat, went back, and then I went from um, one ninety to two twenty five in a month doing that. So um, at the time it worked, there, but the percentages are probably a bit higher for um, being a bit more advanced. 100%, 100%. But then every time I've tried with a, with a I mean, I've, I've tried with a few, uh, no one super advanced, but um, anyone, I, I re- just, I've never, never really gotten um, good results with people doing high frequency deadlifting. I always, um, yeah, sort of one, a heavy every second week normally. Um, yeah. And then um, maybe, maybe an extra speed session. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously possible. So I obviously need to rethink um, my some ideas around training. So, so. I'll, I'll give you an example of one guy. Right, there's a guy I don't, you pro- probably don't know him, Shane. Uh, Colin Kelly is called, and he's um, he he, uh, he he was one that approached me and said, "Look, Josh, that a fire ant on Instagram." Yeah, 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 that's him on Instagram. And he said, "Look, Josh, I don't care about anything else. I just want to improve my improve my deadlift." He, he said to me, "He said I want to get to 300." I want to get to 300. That's my lifetime goal. He said, I've been stuck at like 255, 260 for like five years. And he said, I just want to get to 300. He said, like, like, let's do it. I'll do anything. Um, I'm not bothered about, I don't want to squat heavy. I don't want to like literally just deadlift every day that I train four days a week. And I said, right, let's do it. And this was, I don't know how long ago this was, maybe nine months or something, but for him, it's brilliant because it's allowed me to experiment and it's just been like, well, he's just, I'm just going to, going to take the theory and put it to the test. And like, he's been absolutely brilliant. He, like, I think, I think he, he could go for the under 80 world record, like relatively right. soon. He put, pulled, um, he put, what did he do? 305 or 310 couple, couple of months ago. He pulled 260 for six the other day, Shane. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I, fo- I follow him. I've seen his. Uh, Couldn't it. Yeah. looked like he could have pulled another two, and he, and like he's just been following that system, and not once has he turned around and said, "Oh, like, oh, it's too difficult, or I can't recover, or whatever." Um, yeah, this is the thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect him to, to be honest. Um, and and the point is, he's getting better all the time. And this is a guy that I know it's not like say. He's not not pulling 400, but this is a guy that's been training maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 years or something. He's, he's plateaued on a lift. He was a good, like good, good, decent BDFPA lifter, like powerlifting total in the BDFPA or whatever. Like he's a solid lifter. He's not like a newbie, if you will. And that's just. So what's your approach of variations then, Max? Because I know Josh doesn't, or not that he doesn't like them, but he won't use them until they get to the the end of things. Um, What would you I'm I'm actually pretty big on them, and and I do actually like a lot of assistance work with the deadlift. So um you know quite often um uh, like I mean originally um got this training with Tom, it's something I've given to a lot of people. We'll do giant sets on deadlifts, so I'll pick them. Um I'll look at where um you know there's um sticking points or um slow points in the lift. You know whether that's the top, the bottom, wherever, and I'll tailor the assistance work in the giant set to that. So for example, um, let's say someone, well, I mean, often a beginner just, uh, they'll have sort of positional issues. I'll often get them doing a snatch grip just to kind of, um, but make sure they do it with perfect technique and really get that lat engagement. And we'll do two reps on that, four reps on a conventional, maybe six on a glute ham, eight on a back extension. 
Um, but we'll get um, all all that all those elements can be modified for the individual, and then we'll do like five rounds. And then the second week we'll drop to three rounds up the weight. And then the fourth week um, we'll go back to five, but with week two's weight. And then we'll yeah. drop back to three. That and yeah, so it's kind of like a step ladder kind of effect. And then once they're hitting heavy weights for um for you know on that giant set for a, a decent number of sets and they've done that a number of weeks in the row. I'm like, okay, sweet time to peak. So um, like I had, um, had one girl, um, we started on with a hundred kilos on that giant set and then did like maybe eight weeks back to back of that. We got up to like, you know, maybe uh, 140 on snatch grips, uh, maybe it's 140, 150. Um, actually maybe even like 160 for 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 like one of the sets um and then we dropped it down so she's almost uh so she's a you know, 160 puller and then we basically got her to hitting her snatch grip um snatch grip as part of a giant set with an old deadlift max and then we peak out and she gets 200 so it's a 40 kilo gain in 12 weeks but i mean that's the extreme example but i've had plenty of people uh, yeah uh, initially i'll start with that kind of model uh well not always obviously this is that's just one example because, um, you know, look at the neurotyping or look at the various needs, but that's um, one of my kind of go-tos that just seems to work time and time again. And then after they've done that, often it's such a, I mean, in my mind, it's such a big increase in strength. Now we can use methods that um, require a bit less volume and we'll go to pulling heavy every second week and maybe um, have that second speed session if it's lagging, just up the frequency a bit. So um, yeah, I like snatch deadlifts, floating deadlifts, deficits. Um, we can, well, I'll sometimes look at different heights, um, you know, depending on, um, you know, where there's, where there's slowdown during the lift. Um, and with, you know, with, out of interest, with females, even when they get to that kind of more, more elite level or whatever you want to call it, do yeah. you still apply the, heavy deadlift every other week method with them or do you give them a bit more frequency um well uh, to, to be honest um so originally um when i started coaching that got that was something that was really drummed into me at university is that females are just these beasts that are going to come over absolutely anything and you're going to throw as much volume at them as possible and they'll always recover you need higher reps and um i tried that initially and then but then once i started dealing with stronger girls um it really wasn't working. So then I took a step back and then I kind of, um, when I'm training a girl, I'll, I'll just train her almost exactly how I train a guy with that same lean muscle mass and those same lifts. Yeah. So, so if, if a guy can deadlift 160 um, at, uh, you know, like uh, that girl's talking about before, like um, 85 kilos or 80 kilos or whatever it is, um, they can handle they're doing those giant sets week in and week out, absolutely fine. So she, I mean, she can as well. So I'll, I'll almost, um, I, I don't really, um, I don't really think about them separately. I, I just train them how I would as a human being for that muscle mass. The main difference will be um, the progress will often, the jumps each week might be a bit smaller, five kilos rather than 10 kilos in certain instances, especially on more on pressing exercises. I'll use like smaller jumps. Because they're not going to make those big, big leaps because they haven't, um, yeah. you know, haven't testosterone. So um, the, that's about the only difference is just the, um, I guess, the, the rate of progress. But in terms of um, the actual sets and reps and loading, I'm just, I'm treating them the same virtually. Do you, do you find that um, women can 
can um, do more volume at higher a higher percentage of their max or not, or is that kind of what um, you're I mean, that's what I was getting at. Um, if yeah, you actually okay. if you actually take a step back and say, let's um, forget this is a female. Yeah, you had a look at the size and the yeah yeah, okay. yeah it's 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 pretty much um exactly the same. It, it all equals out because you know but, if if, but, a man, if like if a man can deadlift two hundred kilos, he can handle a, sh a um a heap ton of volume. And if a woman can, she probably can as well. But there's, um, I can think of some some examples of like, say, some girls that can can look, can like they can rep whatever ninety two percent of the max they might be able to get yeah. at five. But then you put another couple of kilos on the bar and they, and they fail a single. And like, yeah. some of the research suggests that um, what is it that that because guys have more testosterone or something that they that they can get more um the nervous system more suited to lifting up yeah yeah uh, the uh, neurological uh, kind of stimulation needed to do yeah. the heavy single uh, uh, I'd, I'd say it's definitely a factor there's um uh yeah def uh, but it is it's only really coming into play with those um uh you know extremely high percentages and, and often it can be psychological. So that's where the potentiation will really come in. Um, yeah. and, and that kind of thing. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, to me, that's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's pretty minor, you know. Because um, the, the way I do it is I have like, <clears throat> I just, I like to simplify shit me. Yeah. So I'll, I'll program a 400 kilo deadlifter that's a male, yeah. uh, similar to a three, it's someone around the 300 mark female I kind of like, even though it's a hundred kilo difference, I feel like they react similar and like a 300 yeah. kilo male deadlift, a 200 kilo female deadlift. I kind of feel there's a, obviously yeah. body weight and stuff comes into play, but. Um, well, so, so like, I mean, what's the body weight of a um, 300 kilo um, female deadlifter? Well, I've, well, the only person that I program that strong is Lucy. She, I think she's about 105 um, and she's got a 292 deadlift. But um, then the average male that I coach that would have a 300 deadlift will be in the 80 to 90 kilo range. And then the guys that pull 400 will be, or, or close to 400 will usually be, you know, over over 120 body weight. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, because, I mean, once you're getting to that really elite level, the, um, uh, the you know, the world-class level, it, do, it does seem to become exponentially more taxing um on the body yeah because because lucy does uh, uh, there's only a couple of any, any guys that pull near four or over four they did the heavy every other week mm. um and the, this is the thing why i was questioning what josh would do because that one heavy session the, their their next week session is always not as good because yeah. they that they carry that fatigue for seven days and it yes. takes them 10 12 days to recover from uh, and same with like Lucy will need to do um, uh, I usually do like some kind of heavy top set rotated with lighter volume the, the next week or, or speed whatever because if we did two weeks in a row there's there's just no chance you know like 80 90 percent will be a grinder um, for just a single well I suppose I, the, the caveat to that could be the fact that I don't know if this, this is the second time I've said this on the podcast. I don't know what it means, Shane. <laughs> what are you going to say? Are you going to say the tone? No, 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 I can't 
but but basically like say it's going back to what max was saying before about like say you kind of are what you believe and what like could could the this kind of like say training approach actually be what's leading the physiological response a little bit to to actually oh well i can only do heavy once every fortnight or whatever whereas actually like could 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 they actually benefit and i'm i'm not trying to force feed this method that i do with people right it's up to, it, but i'm saying what a lot of people would actually if they if they did like say i don't know a couple of month block like off off season or whatever like training like say using the method that i did i think that they might go back to like training like they like you you normally would and maybe they'd notice that the recovery improves significantly it's hard for me to say because i never no nobody ever just deadlifts so yeah uh, I've never, I've never done it like that. Obviously, if I were to peel away, squat, yeah. log, and fucking events, then there's a lot more, you know, recovery available. Um, but I, I've never, I've never really done a block of training that solely focused on deadlift. To be honest, for for well, for an extended period of time, anyway. Like I've yeah. done, it, I've done it for you know six weeks or so, but not not for like six months 12 months or something yeah uh, uh yeah i mean it is like looking at um almost every 400 kilo puller pulls once a week and it goes heavy every second week uh, and there's obviously a few a few exceptions but um it, it it does seem that they're all kind of um you know there's a huge different amount of genetics different training modalities and they're all kind of coming to the same point around those numbers and i'm not saying it couldn't be done differently but it, it is interesting how um, a lot of people are arriving at that same conclusion, but whether that's also because they're training other events and it's just, um, it's only one event in strongman. Um, oh yeah. It's, it's, it's a very interesting question. Um, but I guess, uh, yeah, we need to find a thousand pound puller and get it given to Josh. And we'll find out. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be honestly, I feel I've like I've questioned it so much that I might you might think I've been a dick, but I wasn't. I was just no, genuinely, no, no. genuinely Man, interested. I, like I, lo- I love discussing shit like this, and that's why I fucking talk bizarre. Just because I'm thinking, like, is this method the best method for building a dead? Because in this, what I would call, I don't want to call it intermediate, but to me, I look at strength as relative to what a human being has lifted. I don't look at strength in weight classes. So I know it's world record 80, world record this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Me, get a 320 deadlift isn't that heavy. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's working at getting people from 260 to like 350, we've got the evidence of. I would just love someone to come on that's 400 or 40 and just see like, does it correlate at these higher numbers can, because obviously the percentage is going to be similar and then the load's going to be a lot higher and load equals recovery, percent doesn't equal recovery. So, um, yeah, just be, I'd just be interested because I think I think if it, if it is, then, you know, nobody at that level has done a training method like that. So if it, if it does work, where could it take somebody? You know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. Exciting. Well, that, that's the goal. Is like keep, just keep keep getting keep getting uh, good results with these, like as you say, like intermediate uh, lifters, and until we get to the point where we do get somebody who wants to try it and uh, and give it a go, and um, yeah, and and I think um, oh, and I'm not saying these exact percentages, but I think the principle is 
just so so fucking simple. And I think a lot of people would, uh, they, they, and, it's, and I, th- I even think one of the principles of it is even more apparent you, you're getting up to, like I see like say these 400 to 450 deadlifters and I'm seeing them say what the squatting each week or what the squatting every, and it, and it just makes me think, I just think straight away, I just think, if the goal is to imp- like specialize in the deadlift, I just think how, how much energy it's costing you and how much neural cost of like squatting pretty but, heavy as well. But then um, at the level, like pulling a 400, I mean, uh, Shane, uh, I, I've never trained a 400 kilo pullers, but um, Shane, I have an opinion on this. How, how much do you think it's uh, important, Shane, to maintain the muscle tissue to be able to pull 400? So for example, 400 kilo puller, they might need to keep in a certain amount of squats and a certain amount of back work, hamstring work, just to maintain the insane, um, you know, super, you know, uh, insane amount of muscle mass over and above what their body is designed to carry in order to pull 400. Is it, how do you, what do you find in your experience? Yeah, this is the thing that obviously there's probably there's there's definitely people out there in the world like yeah. a bloody deadlift panda and Jamal Brown and people like that. Uh, Yuri Belkin that pull over 400 a lean body weight that's quite low they've got good muscle mass but low body fat they look like they've got you know decent aerobic capacity etc you know they look like they could go walk the dog and not get out of breath kind of thing but then when you start talking about the majority of people that pull 400 plus they tend to like you said push their body weight muscle mass and size to a level that they it's harder to maintain than yeah. well. It's important. Well, you have to have a certain level of maintenance there. Yeah. Uh, the supplements, obviously, the food, and then the, the the training, and it tends to lead to a worse environment for recovery as well because they can't go and do all these aerobic activities at a high yeah. level to to have that baseline fitness there. Because if they do, they sacrifice a little bit of strength to, to get that. And obviously the goal is strength. So so it just, it, I think it's like it's a different human that you're working with, so to yeah. speak. So I, I believe that, expect, like using Luke Richardson as, an, as a really easy example, yeah. if his squat isn't at a certain level, his deadlift feels shit because he has so much quad drive and leg drive in his initial pull. Yeah. That if you remove that, um, he, he doesn't pull the same. And yeah. he doesn't get that stimulus from the deadlift. He gets it from the squat. So, um, which is why recently after we didn't really squat for worlds. And when we came back to pulling, he said it just felt shite. A couple of weeks of squatting heavy again. And he's like, my deadlifts feel good again now. My log feels better because the leg drive, etc. So there's yeah. definitely an element of squat needing to be there with just the size of the legs. Yes. You know what I mean, yep. um, you can't yeah. maintain that kind of super physiological fucking quad without <laughs> heavy squatting, some knee extensions, maybe isolation, yeah. a bit of leg press or whatever the hell you want to do. I mean, you could definitely juggle stuff around to be less taxing, I guess, and yeah. play with well, different exercises. I suppose with the, the sample of people that, that I coach, I've actually no, noticed, lo- like, I suppose the opposite of that uh, is I've, I've noticed pe- people where we've done like a phase of, introducing some heavier squats back in like when we're not near a competition or whatever 
and I've noticed people take it take a hit on the deadlifts and the deadlift store and they've pulled back on the squat and the deadlift has started progressing again um, and, and a, a, a nice thing that I've noticed as well is like um, which is surprising uh, surprising to me is um, that people who are as long as they're progressing the deadlifting and really pushing the deadlift neurally and like maintaining the movement pattern on the squat variation like I actually noticed that people have some people have like improved this the top end squat when they've come to a peak like say it's come up to a comp and the squat's been better than it ever has been before from just basically maintaining this squat from this like seemingly almost pointless work maybe once a week or whatever um of what you, you may seem to you guys like a a meaningless percentage to uh, keep the skill and the movement pattern and whatnot uh, but they're getting the neural stimulation of the the force in the deadlift progression that they come back to squatting and it's um, it's been like better. Yeah, well, I mean, and the, the lower back's got the highest um, radiation potential of any muscle group. So what I mean by that is every time you train any muscle, every single part of your body is getting stronger to a very yeah. small extent. And... Um, the, the lower, uh, well, I mean, Charles Pollock and uh, I've actually found a reference. You reckon there was some Russian study showing that the lower back, if you strengthen the lower back, it has the greatest um, a radiation effect to every other muscle group. So, yeah. so that, that would make sense. I mean, if, you, if your lower back's strong, um, neurally your brain's going to allow you to exert force in any other move because it feels safe and protected. Yeah. Like, put it this way, right? If, but like personally, I've noticed it because I'm I'm happy to I I try all the, I'm happy to try all these things myself, right? And like, I will I won't squat over one forty for God knows how long until I need it in a comp, right? And say, um, say I need to peak peak for a comp or whatever, then I, I'll be I'll know that my like I'll be confident that my performance will be better than it ever has been in that squat with like a six week prep or eight week prep or whatever. Yeah. Um, like it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's like, like that cut that comp I did last January, Shane, when I did, um, when it was suit and wraps and I did, what did I do? 275 or 272.5 PB yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely buzzing. And like in the six months prior to that, I hadn't gone heavier than like 140 on the safety bar once a week for like triples or maybe even five sometime and uh, just maintaining the movement pattern, but still getting like forcing the neurological adaptations through like deadlift and my other stuff. Um, so, and and also like, look at say, say, say people like the twin chain, right? I reckon they could, I reckon they, I know it's not amazing, amazing, but like, I reckon they could get close to squatting 230, 240 or whatever for like six weeks away at any point, which would be like considering they don't, they don't, they don't really squat over one, 120. But yeah, so, do so I guess the way I look at it is, um, you know, there's, there's most comps, there's five or six events. You've got to look at the um, opportunity cost of training everything because you could train yeah there's multiple things you could train and the way i look at it um i feel like the squats will improve your press it's going to improve all your yeah, learning um so so the, the deadlift's only one event so I, i'm almost um with the guys i coach i'm more inclined to actually squat three four days a week than deadlift three to four days a week. yeah i've noticed that yes yeah, so, so like i mean that's what we did with no so we went from 
um, 220 to 300 in two years. Um, and that was, yeah. You can tell you squats a lot. I have never seen quads like that on under 90. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. And the 300 was, uh, was easy, but that was, um, yeah, no, I mean, his best progress is about four days a week and lots of, we, well, the first phase is lots of tempo work, lots of eccentrics, lots of pauses, and then we'll drop the eccentrics and drive up the load. But it, it's all pretty, um, pretty light percentages. Um, maybe like, just peaking at like, um, you know, 220 for like five by five or five by six, maybe a little bit heavier with the reps, like 230, 240, but every rep's just bang, 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 just ex explosive. And then um, do a little deload week and 300 just pops up. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Tom that's Martin it. as well um, does the crazy high, for, I don't know if you know Tom, he's a powerlifting coach, but he does the- Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just crazy high frequency squats and, um, yeah, the 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 ramp up in strength that I had on the squat from his program was like I just couldn't believe it. It was it was mad, um, yeah. and it 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 did seem to carry over to to everything as well. Like my yeah. my de my de he didn't have me doing high frequency deadlifts, but the they just felt really strong all the time. Uh, yeah, and and his his workouts weren't well. The, every other session was uh, a speed session, so. It was pretty, you know, comfortable to 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 recover from as well. Yeah. I, su I suppose, um, which we can discuss on another another episode. We'll get you back on again. I love this, Max. Anyway, <laughs> but like, um, I suppose you you could look at one side of like developing this leg strength that's going to carry over to have uh, carry over to all these events. Your overhead, your loading, or whatever. Blah 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 blah. And then you could say, oh, well, your deadlifts only. It's only one event within strongman, but you could argue that a lot of the events can actually be quite posterior chain dominant. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, but, but I suppose what I'm saying is like, if you, as long as you're trying to get, as long as we're trying to get better, you might have somebody yeah. who like really put like, put like hip dominant or whatever, following the yep. deadlift method. You might have somebody who's more quad dominant. You might have somebody who, Oh, well, I'm going to get them both. I'm going to be good at, I'm going to be pretty good at squat, pretty good at deadlift. Like, as long as you're um, chasing that excellence and improvement, like you, you're going to be able to do your events in a way that suits your 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 strength level, anyway. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure if we took all our methods and started with like, say, we, you could probably put like a really amazing rotational <laughs> yeah. program together where yeah, we yeah. start start with giant sets. You know, transition to a high frequency skill based four week phase of deadlifts and then transition to more neural peak. And you could probably put together some. Yeah, that would be cool. Well, well, this is the point, and this is the beauty of programming. Like, uh, I think if uh, you run, like, say, a year of doing the giant set stuff, I think people had, had, had become stale. If people did a year solid of doing my way, they'd come, they'd come stale. And I suppose yeah. that's that's where. I suppose, I suppose that's what people are paying for. And that's why people pay us three good money yeah. to, to tell them what to do, because we're, we're, we're taking all this mumbo jumbo, all this shite basically and compiling it and, uh, and giving it context that's that specific to that individual and say, right, right now at this phase, I think doing this little block of what I'm saying is going to be really, really good. Let's give it a go. Let's assess how it works. Oh yeah, I feel amazing. Let's go again with it. Let's milk another six weeks out of it. Right. Let's 
let's modify it and let's go, let's drop it back, drop the load back and let's go get some yeah. variation in where we're going to bias your, your uh, bias the improvement to this sticking point that you have where you lock out slow or whatever. We're going to address that through the giant sets or whatever. Like, and this is the, like say why, why the three of us are so fucking passionate about all these different fucking modalities and stuff. Like, and the, and the great thing is that like, I'm fascinated by what Shane does. I'm fascinated by what you do. Like I could see that you two were fucking really fascinated by my angle before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 it's beautiful. And and I think that's why we're we're successful coaches and we're getting good results with our clients because we're fucking open-minded. Like you're not coming on here saying that, oh yeah, this is the way, this is no. what uh, you, you and Shane should do with your clients. Like <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 I mean, like, um, I, I bought um Shane's Benchy book a few months ago. I've been using that with a few clients around their bench, and really? you know, put my spin on it, but um, had, had some great results. His little six-week bench block. Yeah, it's a it's a fun block. Actually, since I wrote that, I've actually changed it myself. To be honest with you, yeah. Uh, yeah. I like a little bit more volume on the bench press um, specifics, yep. and I've changed the way I do the rep maxes on the isometrics. Um, but yeah, it's a really it's the theory. I mean, at the end of the day, you can juggle it around, and as long as you're yeah. sticking mm. to the kind of general theory of it, 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 it does ramp neural strength and positional strength really, really well. I, I really like it, and I'm glad that you mentioned your little two week rotation of deep water. And um, yeah, nothing, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna come up with something myself similar to that because I think I just, it just in my brain. You know, something just like oh, that, that's going to work. I feel like yeah, yeah. I understand why it works and how it works. I, I think I've been thinking about it the whole time in the back of my brain. Like, I need to do that. I need to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, it, it just goes back to what we said before about like, um, it, it's just practice, practice that gets gets you better. You know, like you doing doing Shane's block of benching or whatever. Like, yeah. it, it's like a novel stimulus that they haven't that, that they they haven't tried yeah. before. Or you haven't seen before. It's exciting. It's fun. So they're gonna yeah. go. They're gonna go and execute it and and fucking try hard on it. And then really, that's what's getting them the results at the end of it because they're they're practicing for that that block of time. Well, well, I mean, I think they um a lot of people really enjoyed getting that doing that single, even though. But it's it's a single with certain parameters to stop you going too heavy. Yeah, with the tempo, or whatever. And then um, I mean, a few guys. One guy loved it so much. I was like, okay, I'll let you um. With the isometric block, instead of doing a rep max, we'll do like a single with a ten-second isometric the first week, and then and then then go down and up. Yeah, how, um, how did that work? Uh, he's, he's just um just started that first block, so we'll like, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I've yeah. also thought in my brain, I thought of that myself. Um, mm. Yeah, I like yeah. that. And, and then um you know it, it's a fun program because you do that heavy single, then you get to just get a great pump. Um, I'll tell you what's a great one, applying yeah. a very similar principle to um, a log strict press and yeah. using the isometric uh, eyebrow height. Um, yeah. Really, really good, that one. I, I used that myself. And I used it in a hypertrophy phase, though. I was doing um, like 10 by 5 um, with a three-second ISO hold at eyebrow height. And then I transitioned that into a, kind of a peak with the isometric. And... Um, yeah. Back then, I had a 125 strip log. I went to 140. Got had a really good training block off that. To be honest with you, I enjoyed it. Yeah, but I've been doing um, combining what those yeah isometrics on strict press with like a cluster. So um, like a, a lot of um, 
I've seen like uh, who did Patrick Tua, bodybuilding coach. No, no. Anyway, but basically, a lot of um, uh, you know, bodybuilders are becoming more and more advanced with their training. Uh, one of the guy, a uh, really good coach that uh, has some interesting ideas, is Patrick Tua. Anyway, um, basically, um, one way of sort of breaking down hypertrophy um, to what's actually going to get the best results. This isn't. This is kind of my interpretation of some of the, of stuff I've heard from a few other people. We want to look at, um, so why why is a bodybuilder more muscular than a powerlifter? So a bodybuilder, um, a bodybuilder is gonna get the best results from heavy weights, but the reps that make them grow are those hard reps. So somehow we need to do as many hard reps we can with maximal load in a workout, or even throughout the day, if you had the time to do multiple workouts. So one way of doing that is with clusters. So I made this kind of progression with clusters that I've only given to a few people, but it's working really well. So the first week, how did it go? You go, um, uh, so three sets of four by four. So it'd be like a, maybe like an eight, eight rep max or a 10 rep max. Okay. So you're doing four reps, put it back four reps. So three sets of four by four with sort of, 20 10 to 30 second rest periods depending on the athlete and what it is and then um the second week it'll go four sets of four by three and you'll bump up the weight and then the uh the last week or the third week so will be five sets of five by two and then we'll deload and like test like a rep max yeah and they'll be massively stronger because because they're literally they're getting um by the time they're doing five clusters of five by two, they're hitting this crazy, crazy volume um, with high density with a really high percentage of their max. And then, um, yeah, it's um, just phenomenal. And then I've been throwing in the isometric pauses. So they'll do the ISO pause for the phase and the next phase will pull the ISO pause, but run the same reps and their strength will just go through the roof. Yeah. You, ever, um, you ever thrown in like escalated density training? Do you like anything like that? Um, <laughs> I, I, actually, this is a funny story. I, 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 gave, I, I indirectly gave it to one client. So I gave him this deep water pull up um, and, <laughs> and push press workout. And um, it was a bit of a shock to his system. Took him three hours, four hours to get through it. <laughs> I was like, okay, mate, this, this week, Let's escalate the density. You've got to get it done in um, less less than two and a half hours. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Four is just ludicrous. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is, uh, this is a bit longer than um, my escalate density train. I used about 10 minutes. No. <laughs> yeah, but but um, no, I, I haven't really used it in the traditional sense. Just... Uh, indirectly this week <laughs> yeah, that works really well for strength athletes because like you say about the the hypertrophy being that like people strength athletes always they think they're near failure on assistance yeah and they ain't anywhere near failure no, no. all the time i see it like oh, i did four, i do three by ten on uh, this lap pull down yeah and i'm like i watch it and i'm like you could have done 20 on any of yeah. the steps like what you're not going to get anything from it in my opinion so escalated density training i really like to throw in on uh, like a muscle group that i'm wanting to highlight in, in a program because week one i know it's going to be lazy but yeah. because they have to beat it every week eventually it gets really hard and yeah. 
you can yep. start to push the uh, the growth in certain areas, which I think strength athletes are just terrible for. Like bodybuilders are so good at getting to that point where it's hard and then just grinding through it. Yeah. And I think a lot of strength athletes surprise themselves when they when they actually do that because they go, oh fuck, I got I got six more reps. Like, yeah, because you train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, plenty, plenty we can learn from bodybuilders for sure. Mm. That right, right, let's wrap it up there because that we've been going on for fucking two hours. Have we? But yeah, longer, longer, longer. next podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll, you'll come back on and we'll, we'll have some more discussion, Max, yeah? I have a cross trainer now sat outside the gym for about two hours. I really need to go pick it up. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very right. much. I'll speak to you soon, yeah? Yeah. Right, thanks a lot, guys. Nice one, mate. Bye. Bye.